We've all made decisions that we wish we didn't, right? That we could go back in our life and wish that we could change or we could alter. But the good news is, is we can use past experiences that are bad and, and learn from them. We can use wisdom to make better ones in our, dis- in our future. And that's really kind of what the heart behind this series has been, choosing tomorrow, today. Now, to get us maybe on the same page, I need to do some recap. Remember last week, we, we challenged a kind of wide-held uh, set of beliefs that our generations, the millennials, um, have. We said that there's kind of this subconscious belief that, that millennials have that 30s is the new 20s, that we don't really have to be adults until we're 30 or at least close to it or in our late, late 20s. And that's kind of, I think the, the media has caught on to that and they've called the millennial generation the kid adults. And so with that kind of belief in mind, I, I think that the we've kind of started to believe a lie that our decisions don't really impact the destinations of our future. And that kind of allowed you and I to live with some kind of measure of irresponsibility. Or last week we said to live without intentionality. And last week we spoke of three specific ways that I think people in their 20s live with this type of um, irresponsibility or living without intention. And the first we said was dating. We said that dating matters, but culture says if you're kind of dating an idiot in your 20s, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter, especially if they're cute. And it's not like you're going to like marry them. And so you're just buying time until you re- meet the right person. But the Bible says that who you share part of your heart with, who you share part of your time with is important because you are important. You are valuable. The second thing is we said that your job matters, right? Millennials often think that I'm working this dead-end job until I get the dream offer to work as a social media person for $2 billion a year, right? Or I'll, I'll figure out what I really want to do with my life when I'm older, right? But right now I just need to have fun and have some spending cash and, just, and I don't need to settle down. But the Bible says that man, your, your, your job is kind of important, right? And that God has you in certain places for a time because he's growing your skill set. He's growing your character. He's trying to teach you something. And then the third thing that we talked about was our spiritual life. And often millennials think that, I, that, that we'll figure out the whole spiritual life thing like when we're older, right? Like in, and when we're in our 30s or when we have a kid or when we're married or whatever it is, we don't really need to spend too much time thinking about it right now. We just need to have fun. And I think, to be honest with you, this is why a large percent of millennials, and I just read a study on this, um, don't really get that involved in church because they delay it, right? They're like, oh, no, like when I'm older, when I'm later, when I'm after college or whatever, then I'll start serving, then I'll start volunteering, then I'll actually join a small group, a rooted group, which we call those around here, um, or, or something else. We become kind of spectators instead of participants. We kind of come to church and kind of look and, kind of, and then we leave, but we're not actually participating in really what's going on here at church. Last week, to remind us, we looked at a study that said 80%, I want you to listen to this, 80 percent of life's most defining moments and decisions take place for the age of 30. And that should terrify you, right? Especially, especially when you think, and if you have, you've pushed kind of major decisions until you're like 28-ish or 30-ish. Because then you're going to have this kind of real big pressure, pressure to get married and pressure to start a career and pressure to start doing this and start doing that. And that pressure and anxiety can cause us to make some pretty bad decisions with some important decisions that we need to be making. And so um, the reason, the reason we're kind of doing this series, and, and years and years ago, um, the old young adults pastor, his name was Cody, my brother-in-law, he said, uh, he named this kind of series, a series just like called The Decision Decade. And so the reason we're doing a series like this is because at our age, in our 20s, or maybe early 30s, we're kind of like an airplane, right? And any small variation now can land you in an entirely different destination. That makes sense, right? Even the smallest change now alters our lives and our futures to come. And so last week, we started talking about your career, and we started talking about your purpose. And last week, we spent really more time talking about um, your, uh, your careers and things like that. And we're going to continue that talk today. But to get us again on the same page, last week, we, um, we said that you believe you have purpose, and you believe you have meaning for, for being alive. And because of that belief, you've kind of maybe looked in the mirror, and you've probably asked, okay, why on earth am I here? 
Like, why, why do I have a heartbeat? Like, and, and why do I exist, right? And we compared you to my dog, Zara, right? Never once is she, like, I've seen her out in the balcony, like, howling at the moon in just deep anguish, trying to figure out why she exists. Said, no, that's silly, right? But you and I are different. That's what it means to be created in God's image, that we become cognizant of meaning and purpose and, and, and really why we exist. And so if you do have purpose, then the big question I want to ask today is, well, how do we find it, right? How do we find this thing called purpose? Well, we said that God works through our current situations, whatever they may be, to reveal and open up new ones. We said that there are really three things that I think are our responsibilities. And the first was this. We're supposed to invite God into our futures through prayer. We're supposed to invite God into our, into our lives, into our schedules, into our plans and dreams and aspirations for our futures. I love the way that Jonathan said it. We have to make ourselves available to God. And I said that last week. I said, I wonder if, if the reason why God doesn't speak to some of us is because we wouldn't listen. Like, are, are you okay with God destroying your dreams? Taking a wrecking ball to like everything you've like planned and what you wanted to do with your life? God has to be invited. So we have to ask him, God, I invite you into, into the plan for my life. Will you give me the eyes, God, to see the plans that you have for my life? The second thing is we said that we're to observe and open. I'm sorry, observe how God opens and how God closes some doors and trust him with the ones he closes and trust him with the ones that he opens. And then finally, we're to lean into those. We're to pour our hearts into them as if we're working for God, even if we feel that the certain job or whatever it may be is below us. And so today I want to spend kind of more time talking about God's kind of unique thumbprint. That's what we coined um, last week, God's unique thumbprint on you. Or in short, I want to talk to you about your uniqueness because it's there I think you and I are going to really find God's calling for our lives. And so I want to kind of journey through a few different uh, verses that I think can clue us in on how to discover our uniqueness that God has placed in you and God has placed in me. And let me kind of maybe paint the picture for you. So we're jumping into the book of Ephesians, and um, Ephesians was written by Paul to a church in a place called Ephesus, and, and I've been there. It's an interesting place. It's a really urban um, city, and he's writing them from actually a prison in Rome, and, and he's ha- has a really specific reason on why he's writing this specific letter, and one of the reasons is for the specific verse we're going over today um, is he wants to re- remind them of their mission and his teachings, and so it says this in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. I think it'll be up there. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no man or no one may boast. So this, this passage is actually a foundational passage. It's actually a good one to memorize. And um, we could do an entire series on this. In fact, a lot of Christian history and doctrine has been developed from this exact passage here. Um, I'll give you some of the history. So uh, there's, a, there's a doctrine called sola fidea. It means we are saved by Faith alone through God's grace, sola gratia. And that's kind of one of the foundational tenets of the Christian faith, that you are saved, and this is what separates, by the way, um, Orthodox Christianity from like certain cults. Certain cults believe um, that you need to like do good works to go to heaven. And God says, hey, your good works are great, but that's not going to bridge the gap between you and me. I had to send Jesus Christ for that to happen. So you're saved by grace, God's grace, through faith alone alone. Our faith in Christ allows us access to a relationship with him. And so what I want you to see today, and you may not see it yet in this verse, but my, my hope and prayer is by the end of our conversation today is that you do, is that there is an interesting connection between our salvation and our individual purpose in life. That our, that our salvation and that our individual purpose are somehow interwebbed. They're, they're somehow connected to one another. And Paul essentially is saying this, that your purpose begins with your faith. Your purpose begins with your faith and it will flow from your faith. Your purpose will begin in a relationship with God, and you'll find your purpose in a relationship with God. And see, and without understanding this, without coming to know Christ, your life just, it's just not going to make any sense. 
I mean, you won't be able to find what your real purpose is because your purpose is connected to your relationship with Christ. See, that everything else that you'll do in your life will just kind of feel like a shadow, a, a portion of what you were made for if you do it without Christ. And so here's the point. You can only really find your and fulfill your purpose when it's found in light of your salvation. And so Paul, be kind of in the next verse, chapter 10, begins to kind of build on his argumentation. He says this, For we are his workmanship, we are his artwork, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, when God created you and when God created me, he had a very specific purpose and reason in mind, which means that you right here and right now, whatever age and whatever life situation you're going in, you have a very unique and specific purpose that's different than my purpose, a very unique reason that you exist, why your heart beats inside your chest. And the only way that we can really find that purpose is by, again, what I said, being in a relationship with God. See, in short, you will not know your reason for being created outside of your relationship with the Creator. I'll give you maybe a silly story that I've given you in the past. Years ago, right, um, my dad made tacos and grated the cheese with a, with a pet egg. You guys know what a pet egg is? It grates the callous skin on the bottom of your feet. Feet? Feet? Foot. <laughs> and, and so I come into the house, and I'm, eat, I'm like 12 tacos deep in this. My mom's like throwing up. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I finally see that my, he's, he's made the che- grated the cheese with the cheese grater. I mean, with the, with the pet egg. Now, it may look like a cheese grater, but it's definitely not a cheese grater, right? It has like the grated thing, but it's to grate your foot. So the point is, knowing the creator is essential for knowing the creation's purpose. And that makes sense, right? The other part of this verse that I want to spend some time thinking about is this. There's a phrase that I, I want to point out to you, and, and it's in the end. And he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for him, and this is the part, that we should walk in them. You know, an illustration that Paul would often give, and it's in Pauline language, which means any of the epistles that Paul wrote, the letters that Paul wrote, you'll find this kind of illustration or this phrase used pretty often. He compares life to like this big race, and that God has a kind of a specific journey or a specific race for you to run that is different than mine. And even more than that, he's had this specific journey, this race planned for you since even before you were born. I mean, since eternity past, God has had the why he would create you. In other words, before you were even born, God knew your own purpose. He knew why he was going to create you in the first place. And so I may have finally won you over, and you may go, all right, like, I'm starting to think that I have this objective purpose, right? One that, 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 that I have to come and discover and one that find out, not this pseudo sense of purpose that I'll, I'll fabricate that maybe really won't give me actual value. And so maybe I've won you over, and now the question you ask is, okay, well, well how do I discover this purpose? And you discover your purpose, and I discover my purpose, like, just like we discover anything else. I mean, through research, and through learning, and through taking opportunities, and finding out what we enjoy, and experience, and through clues. And so I want to share, you, share with you a principle that was given to me back when I was 20, and uh, that really helped me guide me kind of like through this process. See, God's thumbprint on you are clues about his plans for your life. God has marked you specifically with certain gifts and certain opportunities that are completely unique to you. I mean, we talked about this kind of last week, right? I mean, we said that just like there were certain gifts and opportunities were afforded to King David, but when he was a shepherd, right? He killed, uh, he killed a bear and then he killed a lion, which gave him the, the, the confidence and the skill to one day kill Goliath, which catapulted him to become king someday, all because he leaned into his gift set. And then we talked about Joseph. Joseph was a man who had a really interesting gift set. He was really good at administration. And so eventually he gets kind of put into slavery because his brothers like sell him into slavery and he leans into his gift sets and trusts God and takes the opportunities and he organizes, creates an org chart basically for the jail. 
And eventually that allows him to be the most second, most powerful person in all of Egypt because the Pharaoh saw his gift set and said, I want you to do this on a grand, large scale. But it's only because he leaned into where he was. And being a slave probably sucked, right? And he leaned into his gift set, saw the opportunities, and asked God, where do you want to use me? And so really quick, I can think of maybe three ways that, that you are unique. You as an individual are 100% unique, like a thumbprint, like a dog's nose print. The first is that, is that your experiences. If you didn't know that, no, yeah, all right. See, is the first is your experiences. You have a complete, unique experience set, right? I mean, there's no one else that has experienced life as you've experienced it. The second is, is your talents, right? I mean, you have a unique blend of talents. No one has the same gifts and talents that you have. And then lastly is you have, a unique, you have unique passions. What breaks your heart or what brings joy to your heart? You are unique for what you love and what brings you joy. See, the, and here's the reality. The, the clearer that you are and the clearer that I am about identifying what makes you, you, and what makes me, me, the easier it's going to be to come to discover what God has made you and I for. But I'll be honest with you, I think this can be a challenge because often we don't really spend the time to get to know ourselves. And that sounds a little weird, but track with me. In a world of distraction, and I think in the irony of, of living in a world of touchscreens, I think we're starting to really kind of lose touch with ourselves. And that's why I think silence and solitude is kind of this lost spiritual discipline. I mean, I, I think that, I think you would know yourself so much more if you take 15 minutes a day, turn your phone off, go into a room, and just sit there to be with your, yourself and your thoughts. And not your radio, not your TV, not your Instagram, your phone, or anything else. And so here's the point. When you know the how, and this is kind of the main point for tonight, when you know the how, and the how is really how God has made you, that's your uniqueness, your talents, things along those lines, you can then discover your what, and that is your purpose, and I'll say it again. When you know the how, that's, that's your uniqueness, you can then discover the, the, the what, and that is your, your purpose. And so here's what ends up happening, because most of people, I think, they live their entire lives never knowing the how, never knowing their uniqueness, never really knowing their talents. What ends up happening is we run someone else's race, instead of the race that God has really planned for you and I. And so we do what our parents did, because it's convenient for us. Or maybe we do what our friends pressured us into doing, or what they were doing, or went to the schools that they were doing, got the degree they were in, because we wanted to be with them. Or maybe even what society tells us that we should do, what culture tells us we should do. See, what if, what if you had no pressure? And what if money wasn't a part of the equation or anything like that? Would you be doing what you would be doing right now? Would you have gotten the degree that you would be getting, or have gotten, if you weren't pressured into it, there wasn't a money thing attached to it. See, what ends up happening is if we start listening to our friends, our parents, our society and culture, we were left kind of with this nagging feeling that we haven't found our place in the world, right? That, that within us, there's this yearning to do something more because you were created for more. And then last, I think the other danger is if, if we miss the race, we're still accountable for the race we didn't run. Jesus illustrates this in the story of the prodigal son, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, parable, the parable of the towns. And, uh, and through, actually, I want to challenge you to read this um, story this week. Uh, Jesus kind of tells us that one day, you and I, and, and this kind of is a, is a pretty scary reality, that you and I, if we have not been good stewards of our life, this will be a scary reality. But if you are a good steward of your life, this will, be, this will bring you joy. That you and I, in this story, are going to stand before God, and God's going to ask us, what did we do with our time? What did we do with our schedules? Where did we invest our time? What did we do with our talents? And our talents is, is what we're good at. It's your gift set. And then what did you do with your treasures? And your treasures essentially is what you hold dear. Could be your money or, or other things. The most incredible thing about this is God's not going to compare you to other people. He's not going to compare you to your siblings. He's not going to compare you to, to your friends or really anyone else. 
And, and I told you the story that, that I grew up kind of comparing myself to my sister, right? I have a twin sister who's like genetically better than me in every way, right? And, and so that God like forgot that there was another kid in there and gave like all the talent set to like one person, right? And that's, I'm serious. And, and, and so for me, this is kind of like personally just a huge relief, right? Because it frees me from the pressures of keeping up with other people and gives me the opportunity to kind of rest in who I'm supposed to be. And I'm not running anyone else's race. I'm only going to be responsible and held accountable for the race that God has set for me. And I don't have to live up to what everyone else is doing, just what God has called me to do. But here's my concern. I think you and I, on a large measure, spend more time on Instagram, on Netflix, and Hulu, and other distractions, and hanging out with our friends, and even homework, than we do on trying to discover God's unique thumbprint on our lives. And, and one day, and this is what I'm concerned about, because one day you and I are going to stand before God, and he's going to have a certain amount of hours and minutes, and we have to say, this is what I did with them. And a certain amount of gifts and talents and saying, this is what I did with them, and a certain amount of things that we value, and saying, well, this is what I did with them. But luckily for us, the Bible has some insight on really kind of handle that conversation and really what to do here and now. And so let me kind of set the scene for the last part of the um, Bible we're going to go through tonight. We're going to journey through the book of Timothy. And Timothy was a really interesting man. Most scholars believe he was in his early 20s. And, and Timothy was mentored by Paul. And Paul kind of writes to Timothy, and therefore us in our life stage, giving him insight on how to discover the unique race that God has given each of us and gave him. But I want you to hear kind of the tone. And, and reading on commentaries this last week, the tone that, that most commentators said is like a really serious tone that Paul's giving Timothy. Uh, Paul being this older guy is giving Timothy this younger guy. And he's kind of giving this very serious tone. If you're going to make your life about something, I want you to make it about this. I want this to be an essential, a vital thing to your future. He says this in 1 Timothy 4.14. Do not neglect the gift. And those are the unique things, God's thumbprint on you. Do not neglect the gift you have, which has given which was given to you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. And so here's what he's saying. There was a group of us who noticed, who affirmed and confirmed some gifts and some thumbprints that you had, and then we prayed over you. Now, you may have, had, you've never, may, may have never had someone pray over you and affirm certain gifts and the God's thumbprint on you, but I'm sure you have had people say, man, you're, really, you're like really good at that. Like, I'm terrible at this, and, and you're really, really good at that. Or, you know, it would take me forever to do that, but for you it just seems really effortless. Or you seem to really kind of be in your element when you're doing that. Like, you seem to like, it brings joy to you when you're doing whatever it is. And often I think our response is, we kind of deny it. Like, oh, like, I'm not that good at it, or it's, 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 it's no big deal. And I think we do this because we don't want to feel like a prideful idiot, but there, there is a difference between pride and, and, and false humility. And so what Paul is trying to communicate and is saying here is when someone affirms your gifts, see it as a clue of God's thumbprint and a pointer to his purpose for your life. Because the reality is, you're not going to find your gifts in isolation, in a vacuum, surround, be alone. Other people have to help you see what your gift sets are. And so I believe Paul kind of gives us a model in these verses on how to kind of find God's thumbprint. And then he asks us to do three things. And the first thing he asks us is what I asked you to do last week. And that's to ask God, God, will you show me the plan you have for my life? Will you give me the eyes to see the opportunities that you have and what you want me to step in? And then the second is to know your gifts by looking inward. And that can be a kind of challenging thing. Right? That kind of takes the, 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 the silence and the solitude part, to get alone and to kind of think, like, what really brings me joy? Like, what do I really like doing? What breaks my heart? What need do I see in the world that I want to fix? And then the third thing is to leverage opportunities to use your gifts. See, some of you aren't really sure of what your gifts are, and you, and you kind of need to get, get to know what those are. And so I, I put together a purpose packet, and I was trying to get it to you guys tonight, but our printer's broke. And, 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 it, and so I'll make sure, I promise you, I'll have it next week and the week after that. 
But it kind of contains this purpose packet, um, questions about your history. It has a hundred quiz question on your spiritual gifts. In other words, how has God uniquely created you with certain gifts? And then some of your hopes and dreams. And finally, it kind of wraps up with certain passions and therefore talents that you may have. But here's the reality. If you don't take the time to examine your gift set and really kind of put them to the test through volunteering, serving, and, and opening yourself to opportunities, then don't complain about not finding God's purpose for your life. Don't complain about feeling empty and void if you have never spent time really thinking through these things. I remember having a conversation with my mom years ago about not going to the doctor for my shoulder. I dislocated my shoulder, my left one, a total of 10 times, um, doing crazy things, right? Like, I'd be like sleeping and like wake me up and like pop out, right? Or like crazy things, like coughing, sneezing, hiccuping, right? At the time, I could literally pull it out doing anything, right? And, uh, and I refused to go to the doctor because I was like, if, if I don't, if I refuse to go to the doctor, then there is no real problem. You know, it was a crazy thing. And uh, I remember what my mom would tell me. Uh, she says, you have no right to complain. I remember exactly what she said. She said, either go or shut up about it. I'm like, I love you too. See, we have a responsibility to find our purpose. It's not just going to fall in our lap. God expects us to be stewards and to work to find why he created you and why he created me. And the second part of that is that we need to leverage opportunity. And I think this begins with prayer. Ask where God is calling you. That's a ch- this week, ask where God, the creator of all things, is calling you specifically. And I think one of the best ways that we can leverage opportunities is by volunteering. See, when, when you get involved, and this is, the, I want you to remember this, when you get involved, God will illuminate your giftedness and then we'll start to become known to you. Now, up until this point, you probably thought your purpose was pretty singular. You probably thought it was pretty focused just around you. And so Paul kind of wraps up his thoughts with kind of this little secret. Here's what he says in 1 Timothy 4.15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that, and this is an important word, all may see your progress. So he really kind of wraps up with really what's at stake here. That if you neglect discovering your purpose, it's not just you that lose or loses. The real danger is that everyone loses because when you don't discover your purpose, you can't help other people discover theirs. That's because God has created you, and I want you to understand this, that God has created you for a purpose and plan that's far bigger than yourself. I mean, let me give you a silly example. Think about this church. So this church started in, in, in a very small, in our, in our small campus on, in Maine, uh, on Seal Beach. And it started with four people. And that was Doyle, the senior pastor of this church, his wife, Connie, Chelsea, who's my wife, and, and Cody, my brother-in-law, not my wife. And on the opening Sunday, how many people were there? There were four. Now, if you were to come to a Christmas service here, to the 18 services we have or something like that, there's 12,000 people that come. And it took 26, 27 years for that to happen. I find that like almost insane, right? Like who would have known that God would have used their family or Doyle and Connie to do something this incredible? See, what if Doyle, his family and his team decided to neglect their calling and do something more self-fulfilling? They obviously have the gift set to do something, to do anything successful. If he would have taken his mind and put it in the business or anything else, he'd have been a billionaire. He could have done anything, he, you could call it more self-fulfilling with money and things along those lines, but he chose not to do it. He chose to listen to the calling that God had in his life and God has done some incredible things with his life and his family. And see, not only would, would, would they miss out on their calling, but thousands of other people would miss out on their calling too. Thousands of people get to come to this church. Thousands of people are serving all over this church. They're going through rooted and coming to know their own purpose and coming to know who God is and what that means for them. See, God has a purpose and plan for your life and it's tethered to helping other people find theirs as well. And see, when we get involved by doing that, I think there's this weird kind of dichotomy. It says the more we get involved, we begin to find more of our purpose. 
And the dichotomy of that is other people begin to find their purpose too as they serve alongside you and alongside me. And so my application for tonight is I don't want this to be kind of theoretical. I actually want you to do something to make this happen. The first is I'm going to make sure you get that purpose packet next week or the week after that. Because in it has some incredible stuff and, and, it, and it really helped define my future. When, I, when, when this was handed to me when I was 20, it helped really kind of define who I was going to be and what I wanted to do with my life by looking inward and at what certain gifts and talents I had. And then I'm going to challenge you to, to take kind of the test in there and discuss it with some people. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you is to sign up for something. After service, I'm no one's going to force you to sign up for anything, but we have some opportunities for you guys to volunteer, to be a part of what you're doing here. So you just got to find a card that says this, I want to serve. And they're on the table back there, and no one's going to force you to do anything, but on it, we'd love for you guys to serve about what we're doing here. Be a youth leader at here. I mean, we have hundreds of kids at this church. We have hundreds of junior high students and hundreds of high school students. Join to be a greeter here or at our main campus. Join to be a part of the cafe. They're making bazookies for you guys tonight. Or, or, or join to be a part of our tech team. Or tell us something you're good at, and, and we'll see if that's a need that we have here. I mean, we're going to be, if you're handy, for instance, we're about to revamp this entire warehouse. We're about to make new things and new structures and paint it and do things outside. If you're handy, we'd love your help in that way. See, and here's, what, here's what I want to wrap up with, because here's the good news. Not only do you get to run the race and enjoy the process, but eventually we reach the finish line. And when you reach and run the race that God has set before you and he's set before me, you get to reach that, that finish line get to that finish line and be embraced by God and he gets to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me pray for us. God, what a mystery purpose can be. Lord, that it seems God in the heart of a millennial, maybe even more than other generations, is this kind of deep-seated meaning for purpose. God, we want our lives to matter and we want it to be about something or about social causes and social justices and things along those lines. But Father, I ask God that you continue to open our eyes. And God, open our eyes to see the opportunities you have, in, in God, in front of us. And give us maybe the courage, God, that we need to walk into the doors, God, that you've opened. And so, Father, I ask that you, um, you speak to us. And this week, God, that we make some time, we make, your, make ourselves, God, our minds, our souls, um, available, God, uh, to you. So you may speak to it, Lord, and lead us, God, in the direction, um, God, that you have for us. So, Father, we love you, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.